Podcast of the cinema. Uh, you're who, who, Dave White, and yeah. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, and I write for the Film Verdict, and you are also a film critic. Some, and sometimes now <laughs> we do this show. Yeah. Um, this is going to be an episode where we do a thing. I don't think we've ever done this before. This might be the first. Yeah. yeah. In our twelve, nearly thirteen years of doing the show. Twelve going on thirteen years of doing this podcast. You, Alonzo Duralde, and I, Dave White. Yes. Tend to see mostly the same films. Talk yes. about them together. Every once in a while, well, actually, more, 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 more frequently recently, but uh, there'll be something you saw that I just didn't give a heck yes. about. Uh, something I saw that you were like, I don't want to go to the movies on a Saturday and watch <laughs> that, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> a bunch of French people get operated on. Okay, yes, <laughs> that. That did happen. Um, the documentary, uh, uh, oh, dang. De Humani Corporis something? Fabrica, yeah. De Humani Corporis Fabrica, yeah. Um, it was kind of a good thing that you didn't go to that because it was deep, there was some deep surgery in yeah. that documentary uh, that you did not need to look I'd just at. as soon not have to walk out of any more movies this year. <laughs> <laughs> He's referring to an earlier episode where we talk about the A24 horror film Talk to Me yeah. that my dear, sweet, lovable Alonzo Duralde bailed on mid-film. Yep. And go stand in the lobby. It was too gross. It was too gross. And too More than gross, it was extremely upsetting. <laughs> yeah. It was more than just like, oh, this is a gory horror movie. This is like a gory horror movie where a kid is committing extreme acts of self-harm yes. and the camera's like, let's watch. On multiple occasions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I didn't stay in the lobby. I went to the Barnes & Noble You went to Barnes & Noble, yeah. I mean, you did the right thing. Uh, Probably should have just gone to Cheesecake Factory. You, eating my feelings. That would have been. <laughs> oh, those, those cheeseburger spring rolls. <laughs> oh. They are an abomination, and I <laughs> and, and I, th I think about them every time I walk past at the Grove. There's the AMC uh, 14 movie theater, yeah, and then right next to it is the Cheesecake Factory, right, and then right next to that is the Barnes and Noble. Yes, they go bang, bang, bang. Yes, and I every time I walk past the Cheesecake Factory, I think, ooh, those cheeseburger spring rolls. That should not exist no. in the world, uh, and but, yet there they are. But ooh. there is actually there's a few there's some things between the Cheesecake Factory. No. Yes, what that Esprit store? No, that's yes. before. No, Barnes and Noble. it's between Barnes and Noble. We and, have a new Esprit store. I know it's 1986 <laughs> all over again. That's between Cheesecake Factory and Barnes and Noble. 
Anyway, this is all fascinating. I think it is. (laughs) And it's my podcast, 50%, so I've decided. So, yeah, there are things between them. Uh, The weird thing about this episode is that we've both seen a bunch of movies, but none of us, there's no movie that we're talking about that both of us have seen. Yes, and here's why. It's a very organic reason why. Yes. Because we're not speaking anymore. We're not speaking to each other anymore. (laughs) Alonzo went to the Venice Film Festival. I did. And uh, he also got screened a film that's at Telluride Film Festival. And he watched movies on the plane on the way home. Yes. And while he was gone, I did a lot of film watching. Uh... And one of those experiences was extremely strange, and you'll hear all about it. <laughs> uh, in fact, let's just talk about that one right now. Okay. Let's get let's get the new releases sure out of the way. All right. So here comes my big fat Greek wedding three, mm. starring in, produced by, written by, directed by Nia Vardalos. Yes. Your Twitter buddy <laughs> and occasional friendly in-person acquaintance who's very nice to you and you're very nice to her in return. Yes. Okay. Y'all don't hang out. No. She no. doesn't text you all privately like, ooh, Alonzo, let me tell you about the blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. No, no. But it is a... Friendly acquaintance. A professionally friendly acquaintance relationship where she knows who you are, you know who she is. Yes. Okay. It it felt weird yes. for Alonzo to say, yes, I can review this film. For breakfast all day. For breakfast all day, which is where I initially sat down with Christy to talk about it. Right. But I'm going to talk about it here, too. Uh, because the story of what happened when I saw my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is significant in ways that are not the way you think they are significant. I'll tell you straight up right now, I liked this movie, and that puts me in the uh, extreme minority of film critics uh, who all hate it, (laughs) for the most part. (laughs) Uh, I I have not seen it, so I cannot wait. And I did not have any agenda, pro or con, in seeing this film. Had you seen two? Yeah. Okay, I've seen them. I've seen the. I've seen the big fat Greek weddings. I've seen what was the one? I hate Valentine's Day, which yes. I did not care for. I saw uh, my, life <laughs> my life in, life ruins. in ruins, which honestly, to this day, there is a dumb, 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 dumb throwaway joke, and I don't think Neil Bardalis wrote My Life in Ruins. I think she just acted in it. That might be the case, although um, I bet she does. I, you know, you hire her. <laughs> You get some punch up I get, thrown I get, in, probably. Yeah, probably. You know, I saw Connie and Carla, which is mm-hmm. wonderful, and um, so I like her. I like her a lot. And but, but going back to my life in ruins, there is <laughs> there are two characters in the film, <laughs> and their names are intentionally meant to make you giggle and go, ooh-hoo-hee-hee-hee, because... Although, at the same time, they are legit Greek they're names. Legi- they're legit Greek names, but also, they knew what they were doing. Of course. And aiming this at an American audience. And I swear, every time she says their names, she b- all but winks into the camera. <laughs> and they're 
names. These two, like cousins or brothers, uh, their names are Poopy Cacas and Duty Cacas. And when I first saw this film, I thought, okay, <laughs> that's what's gonna, that's what's happening in this movie. And what is it? It's twenty years ago yeah. that that film came out. You and I have not stopped saying "poopy cockas" <laughs> and "duty cockas" to each other ever since in this in this home. That is the elevated level it of is, wit you're it dealing is, that's with. The, right that's there. the as the kids say. That's the discourse uh, going on here. Well, it just so happens that the guy who played Poopy Kakas in My Life in Ruins is in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, good for him. He has uh, aged into um, uh, extremely hot mustache daddy olive farmer character oh, okay. in this film. Like Mediterranean. Um, yeah, like just most interesting man in the world. He got, he, got, he got silvery, he got thick, and he grew a mustache. Nice. And I've... You know, I'm pro all I'm these trying to I'm not trying to objectify a dude, no. but I'm also going to objectify a dude because the film is doing it nonstop. Oh, sure. Okay. Anyway. It's the female gaze, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So I head to I head to the Grove Thursday afternoon, 5 p.m. That's the first, first screening. <laughs> I got to be on breakfast all day, Monday. No, Friday I, morning. The next day, Friday morning with Christy to talk about it. And I said, Alonzo can't, Alonzo can't do this. I will do it for him because I have only met Ms. Vardalis one time, and it was through our mutual friend, Rose. And you were there, but it was yes. very much in passing. It very was like, much. hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. Goodbye. Right? Uh, so I don't know her. I do not know her. And I am a film critic, and I'm here to review her movie. I don't care. <laughs> I walk into the Grove AMC. It's a ghost town in there. Like, it's first week of September. There's no one. No one's at the movies, y'all. <laughs> it's what happens. End of August, early September. You can, you can. Except for the nun, too. Apparently. You can do it in the lobby on the floor, and no one will notice <laughs> what's happening. All right? So, I walk in there. There's no one in there. I walk into the theater, and I am midway through the uh, trailer, so it's dark in the theater already. And... Uh, I've I've wandered in with like two trailers left to go before Nicole Kidman talks, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and boom, this theater's crowded. And I was like, oh wow, the big fat Greek wedding fans are here. You know, big first. theater, small theater, like uh, one of the smaller medium ones, like okay. House Seven or whatever it gotcha. was. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. So I sit down on the very front row because I'm a, a disabled human being with a cane, and that's my row. And I'm thinking nothing of the fact that there's a big crowd. And they're all being real chatty with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them seem to know each other. And after Nicole Kidman talks, on comes a little pre-movie thing with Nia Vardalis. Who's like, hi, I'm Nia Vardalis. Welcome to my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. And I'm going to tell you all about what happens in the first movie and the second movie just to catch you up. And the minute she says that, a person behind me stands up. And yells, oh, God, I'm wearing exactly the same dress right now. And I was like, what? I turn around. Nia Vardalos is sitting directly behind me (laughs) (laughs) with, like, all her friends. (laughs) Some of the cast, I don't know that some of the cast is here until after the movie when what few people in the lobby uh, 
saw Joey Fatone <laughs> lost their minds. immediately turned into middle school students again and needed <laughs> selfies with him, which I found adorable. Um, and I was like, oh, hey, that's Joey Fatone of InSync fame. Here he is. He's in the film. He's in all three of the movies. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so this is happening, and everyone's all, ha-ha, that's so funny. You wore the same dress to the theater that you wore in the video. Um, and my first thought was, I don't care. <laughs> I've lived in Los Angeles 24 years. I've been through this before. I've been to all kinds of press screenings, all kinds of premieres. The casts, the stars, they are there. They're in the theater with you. I saw Bully seated Im immediately next to Larry Clark, who just showed up for the press screening. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Um, I've, this, is, this is not usual but it is also not unusual right given where i live and what i do for a living so my first thought was any screening could be a cast and crew screening exactly <laughs> and so i was like you know what this i am an impenetrable uh, wall of no emotion and just because you're here having fun with your friends doesn't mean i'm gonna think your movie is good i owe you nothing nia vardalis <laughs> All right, so I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed all through this film. Also, I forgot that they were there for the most part. Like when 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 someone that they all like cared about a lot or whoever the friends were. It was a lot of her friends, I think. Uh -huh. They would applaud and you know oh, right. whatever. Um, then I would remember, oh yeah, they're all here sitting directly behind me. Um, but then largely, I would just forget that yeah. they were there. And I, so here's what it's about. Um, everybody goes to Greece. There's a, Michael Constantine, who played uh, the father in the first two films, has died in, in real life yes. and in the films. And unlike, uh, and just like that, and Fast and the Furious. Correct. So they go, the whole family goes to Greece. They want to participate in a reunion with the father's childhood friends the one wrinkle in this is that the village where he grew up is largely deserted. There are very few people left there. And who is there uh, are some, you know, diehards, some old people, uh, a young non-binary mayor who's, I, Christy was entirely irritated by, but I thought they were hilarious. Because... <laughs> As I told her on Breakfast All Day, this person talks like they're hosting Eurovision, so everything is like, wow, number one, the best, like, <laughs> like every time. And that, you may, you might be irritated by that the first time, but by the ninth time, it's worn you down, and you're just <laughs> laughing. I thought it was funny the first time. I, listen, okay, anyway. <laughs> so they go to Greece, and this is the big problem. The, there's not no one in the village. They have to find all the people that right. the father grew up with. And on the on circling the story are Syrian uh, immigrants slash refugees and Ukrainian refugees. And you see this terrifying, forbidding, yet very kind older woman in the in the village who makes gives gives food and bread to the Ukrainian refugees like every day. So you're you're seeing this this you know we are Greek 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 and also 
maybe Greece is going to be a place where a lots, lots of different people can live because they have to be here and we have to take care of people in need. So that's sort of on the periphery of the, of the story. Largely the story is just about how do we find the old people that the dad grew up with? And, and yes, there's a wedding, but it's between uh, a young Greek relative and one of the young Syrian women. And so that's a source of like uh, a conflict that is echoed, that echoes the first film where Neil Vardalis wants to marry uh, Aiden from Sex in the City. What's his name? <laughs> oh, I- I'm John sorry. Corbett. The character's name is Ian. Yes. Uh, I, I can't believe I forgot that because that Ian is the name of Neil Vardalis's former husband. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Ian Gomez, the actor who's on Physical, a show that is actually really good and y'all should it watch is. it. Um, I laughed a lot. It's moving. <laughs> It's extremely sweet and adorable, and the stakes are so low narratively that it's it 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 almost feels just kind of like a hangout movie where everyone just thought, "Hey, let's go make another movie in Greece." And, and uh, there are s- sweeping shots of you know beautiful Greek stuff, better than most of the stuff I ever saw in a Mamma Mia movie. Boom! Yeah. And I liked it. And I don't want to say that in a way that makes people think I've lost my mind as a film (laughs) critic, because that's how Christy talked to me. (laughs) She's like, well, clearly you were influenced by the presence of everyone behind you. I was like, no! I'll tell you what it was. This is the kind of movie that I used to go to see with my mom. Mm. This is the kind of movie, if she was picking the movie, this is the kind of movie we would go see. Charming, and I'll tell you something, writer, director, producer, star, Nia Vardalis has this sort of effortless screen charm. You like her, and you want to hang out with her, and you, when she smiles, you smile. Like, it's, it is, it is a, a definite X factor of screen presence that she has. And I'm, I'm easily uh, influenced by that, I guess, <laughs> on screen. Not when she's behind my head and I can't look at her. <laughs> the uh, it, it made me miss my mom. Oh, remember when we saw Guilt Trip and I walked oh, yeah. out of Guilt Trip and I was like, I miss my mom. Well, she had just died yeah. when we saw Guilt Trip. I was, I was like, I miss my mom, and and that was specifically because it was about my mom. But every so often, I'll see a movie, amiable, amiable. Low key, breezy, breezy movie that my mom would have walked out of with me and said that was cute. Like she would love this. Yeah, and and I know she saw the first one, mm. and I don't know. No, she didn't see the second one because she had already passed away. But like, um, yeah, this is take your mom to see my big fat Greek wedding three. She's gonna like it. And Christy goes, not my mom. <laughs> I was like, okay, not your mom. <laughs> uh, tell them the trailer thing. What trailer? There was thing? a thing you hated in the trailer that isn't in the movie. Oh yeah, there was a thing. I'll tell you before I saw the film, I, uh, there was a there's a there's a line reading from uh, John Corbett in the trailer where Neo Vardalis says we're going to Greece, and he does this bizarre line reading where he goes yeah, and I was like I'm sorry, <laughs> what is happening here? Why are you talking that way? Is that from regular show? I, it feels like <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. 
And but in the actual movie, they use a whole different uh, take take where he just goes, yeah, which seems like w- what a reasonable person would say. Right. In that moment, you're just sitting. It's like it's not even something exciting happening. They're just sitting in a car talking about how they're going to Greece, like they're on their way to the airport. And 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 the the overselling of it in the trailer made me go, do I really want to go see this movie? Uh, thank you. Executive producer, star, <laughs> writer, director, <laughs> Neymar Dallas, for seeing that that was a bad take, and another one needed to put, be put in the film, or maybe the tr- maybe it was never in the film, and the trailer editor just thought it gave it a little more zazz. Oh, I don't know, but um, y'all, I'll give Christie this. There are some cinematographic situations that feel weird, things that are cut off quickly, or you know. Weird framing, you know, cuts for no reason. Like, and you know what? Sure. That is the case. Were they deal breakers? No. Exactly. No. Um, I left feeling happy and good, and it felt like it had wrapped itself up in this nice way. Uh, where it's more than just a story of this family just wanting to go do this thing and, 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 and make it a meaningful trip for themselves. Um, it's also about the very real situation of what do immigrants do for a country? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the parallels between the family and the story being immigrants to the United States. Right. And the parallels of people from war zones needing to be in Greece now that I felt was a very contemporary resonant real thing and it's again it's very lightly touched on in the film but it's still meaningful and and another thing I said to Christy I'll say it here is like I married into this family (laughs) I married into this family they're not Greek they're Spanish but it's like the same deal when you go to listen I've been to the family trips to Spain Everybody goes, everyone goes to Spain, and when you get in Spain, when you get to Spain, the rest of the family is ready to meet you. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's a lot of Duraldes and Urbinas, and I don't even know who else. Ampueros. Ampueros <laughs> in Spain. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly like the way this, the families <laughs> act in this movie. You're a real trooper. So... And, no, and no, I'm lucky. <laughs> I married into a cool, big, giant, loud, talkative family, <laughs> and I understand this film. And I'll tell you another thing. I know I'm going on a little bit too long in defense of this film, but I'm just—I have reasons to be defensive of this film. Um, there used to be a lot of these sort of mid-budget adult adult movies about people just doing things. Yeah, and. Everyone's like, oh, why don't they make movies like this anymore? Well, guess what? Someone just did and made one that was very culturally specific. And sure, it's got a three in the title. So invariably, if there's a two or a three or a four or a seven in the title, you have reason to be suspect. And it's an Andrea Martin delivery device. And Andrea Martin is genetically incapable of not being funny. Did I make that sound right? Did that sound that sounded did, right? Did yes. I double negative myself? No, no, you got it. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, y'all, I, I laughed, and I liked it, and the end. 
Come at me. <laughs> Argue with me. I got reasons. I just laid them out for you. All right. That's it about my big fat Greek wedding three. Okay. What next? You. Me. Let's volleyball. Sure. Okay. Spike it, babe. All yes. Right. All right. <laughs> the first thing I saw for Venice was El Conde, which is a new film from Pablo Lorraine, who did uh, Jackie and Spencer. Uh, this is not one of those. <laughs> those were compassionate movies about women getting caught up in uh, politics and power that they married into. This is a movie about uh, Augusto Pinochet. <laughs> the uh, scourge of Chile. Hilarious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what what Lorraine has done very uh, cleverly and effectively yeah. is like, all right, I'm making a movie about one of history's monsters. I'm going to make a monster movie. So this is a yeah. vampire movie about Augusto Pinochet. Oh, okay. Wow. Who has been alive for centuries and right. is perhaps now finally ready to die. And it is very creepy and very like darkly funny and satirical and uh has tons of atmosphere it was shot by ed lockman and uh it features an actress who i said in my review on the film verdict um all apologies to um kim carnes but she has uh, anna maria falconetti eyes oh really all right uh and that would be uh, paula luxinger playing a nun who is undercover going into the house pretending to be an accountant because um, uh, Pinochet's kids want to find all the hidden money that he's stolen mm -hmm. over the years mm -hmm. before he goes. But she's actually a nun who's there to try and um, destroy him. Yeah. Um, but also to grab the money for the church if she can. <laughs> yeah, well. So nobody gets off uh, uh, scot-free in this one. Anyway, and we'll talk about it more. It's going to premiere on Netflix pretty soon. So we'll we'll give it a full review, but it's very cool. I liked it a lot. Another thing I went out to see while you were gone, mm -hmm. uh, still playing in Los Angeles at the Lumiere. Uh, it opened uh, in art houses uh, primarily, I think. Uh, it's called The Adults. Mm -hmm. It's from Dustin Guy Defa, and it stars Michael Sarah. Hannah Gross and Sophia Lillis as three adult siblings who have, both of their parents are gone. One of the sisters inherited the house and all of the problems and taxes and business things that come with that. Michael Sarah is the brother who has moved away. The other sister uh, still lives in town but she has dropped out of college because she failed all of her classes. Um, or did she, did she just decide she didn't want to do it anymore? Eh, it's irrelevant. <laughs> um, the, the remainder of the film, once you get them all in the same place again in the first like 10 minutes, is a comedy about sibling uh, estrangement and connections that are impossible to ignore and impossible to shake. And even in their estrangement, they are referencing that childhood bond that they can't shake, shake away from each other. Um, I said 
My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 was kind of a hangout movie. This is also kind of a hangout movie where Michael Sarah is the most estranged from the sisters. He doesn't really want to participate in their lives. He wants to visit kind of sort of friends that he used to know, who all of whom are sort of like, oh, you're here. <laughs> I guess you want to hang out. I don't know that I can. Oh, all right. You know, like it's that. Right. You realize, of course, that his character is a colossal pain in the ass. And, and he does nothing easily uh, and doesn't read the cues of other people in a way that would, you know, facilitate his, you know, uh, uh, socialization, ha- having, having, <laughs> having adult friendships or even adult relationships with his sisters that, mm. that make sense and bring anybody any pleasure. Uh, it's a quiet movie. It is really funny in really uncomfortable ways. Uh, that sort of awkward, why don't we all just go our separate ways, <laughs> leave <laughs> each other alone sort of situations. Um, and in the end, it so delicately threads the needle of love and connection that you realize that what you wouldn't fall for in a lesser a less intelligent film. Mm-hmm. You're you're letting it happen here because everything feels exactly right and real, and you understand that three these three siblings are stuck with each other, and they're going to have to do something about that. <laughs> I really like this. I had never yeah. heard of Dustin Guy Defa, and yeah. then like Criterion Channel has a thing has, with like two features and yeah. seven short films. I'm like. Okay, clearly there's this groundswell for this yeah. guy. Who are you? Where well, did you come from? Start with this one. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, it'll, it's, it's, I think it's probably about to hit streaming soon-ish. Sure. Uh, it had a, a, a limited theatrical life and is, again, hanging on right now at the Lumiere, where in, in Los Angeles, anyway, that's a sort of like, they show about two dozen movies at a time. And they rotate them in the schedule throughout the week. So you yeah. get three or four opportunities each week to see it. It's up to you to plan which one is best for you. Hmm. You know, commit yourself to cinema <laughs> is really what I'm trying to tell you. Find the time. Find the time. Make the effort. Yeah. Uh, I dig this. It's y- Y'all put it on your list. It's called The Adults. Uh, so the film that you mentioned that I saw that was at, uh, at Telluride, which they screened for me in advance, even though I didn't have a chance to review it yet is uh, the new Andrew Haig film um, All of Us Strangers uh, which stars Andrew Scott aka uh, Hot Priest from um, Fleabag yeah. and he is a blocked writer li- who lives in a high rise that seemingly has only one other tenant who's played by <laughs> Paul, Paul Mescal alright and COVID movie, yeah. Uh, I guess maybe, yeah, because yeah, it's a very small cast. Anyway, um, Andrew Scott realizes that he can go visit his childhood home and hang out with his parents who died when he was a child. Yeah, uh, at the age he wa- they were when they died, and they're played by Jamie Bell and Claire Foy, and so he sort of gets to know them as an adult, and they get to know him. 
meanwhile, he and Paul Mescal, like, you know, kind of start a relationship. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to get too much into anything beyond that because there's, there's some, you know, some, some unforeseen stuff along the way. When's it going to be in real theaters for real people? Uh, and before, not, before, and not wicked evil film critics. Before, yes, before yes. the end of the year, it's okay. a, a searchlight right. has it, and I, I, I look forward to seeing it again because there are moments in it that I can't shake. Yeah, but I don't know that it all worked for me. But I think if I watched it again, I might be able to sort of see if the things that I don't quite think connect. Maybe I just missed something, but uh, even just. As it is now, just from the things that from the, from those moments that I can't shake, I definitely recommend people see it. And uh, Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal have some pretty scorching um, doing it scenes. Doing it scenes. Oh, they do. <laughs> I watched three art and design documentaries. Oh, in your absence. Uh, all of them available in various uh, ways, various places, streaming, DVD. The first one. Uh, it's called Museum Town from director Jennifer Trainer. It's from 2019. We've been sitting on the DVD here in our. I was going to say this title rings a bell. Yeah, uh, it was part of Mount Unwatched. That's what we ah. refer to our uh, stacks of DVDs that we haven't watched yet. Um, that's what we call them. And a friend and neighbor Gary Cotty came over because it is a documentary about Mass Mocha which is the Museum of Contemporary Art in uh, western, largely rural Massachusetts. Uh, the town was a manufacturing town in, you know, the mid-century, and it was, you know, it was like a one-business town, like a one-company town. And then the company, uh, the way big companies of manufacturing often do, they get bought out by uh, terrible uh, rich people who sell it, strip it for parts, sell it off, and move the operations to countries where they don't have to pay people a living wage. Uh, and it left the town sort of hollowed out, and mm. people moved away, and the main street dried up, and there was nothing there. And, you know, addiction and other trouble, you know, grew among the population. And then someone said, what if we took this old factory, this enormous factory, mm -hmm. and turned it into an art museum and brought that world into this little town and, and we could try to revitalize the town that way and bring this, this you know, undeniable good to a place that needs it. So they did. They spent a long time raising the money, convincing a bipartisan array of politicians in Massachusetts. And as I turned to, I turned to Gary halfway through and I said, well, you know, a Massachusetts Republican is just like a Democrat anywhere else, right? <laughs> like, am I wrong about this? He's like, eh. <laughs> I said, so um, I could be completely wrong. Don't yell at me about it if I am. Um, and then it, it worked, and they opened it. Now, there is one bit of tension that runs kind of through the film, and it is the people who've lived in the town forever. Now, one of the women who has lived in the town forever and who worked at the factory during World War II becomes an employee of the museum. Like, she's in her 
late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, welcomes people and gives them tickets. And Hello, stuff like I'm that. your institutional memory. Yeah. So, um, and so they use her presence as an example of, you know, we, we want people from the town to be involved, involved and work here and, and support it and be part of it. Uh, but largely, mostly what you get from interviews with people in the town is, I mean, yeah, I work security for there, but I don't want to look at any of that art because it's stupid and I hate it. You know, like, <laughs> and and it made me start thinking, like, what is the what's the missing link there, right? Like, what is the thing that would get a person in the town to say, I not only do I work here, but I'm enjoying this, you know, uh, 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 you know, Terrell light installation, you know, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, what I do know, though, is that one of the things that the museum has not yet quite cracked the code on is rebuilding run-of-the-mill daily need kind of shops on, on actual Main Street. You know, there's galleries popping up on Main Street. But that's not a shoe store. Right. Like, that's not a drugstore. That's not a diner. That's not a bookstore. That's not, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how that comes back. If it does at all, but like it's been a it's been a big try, <laughs> and and now Mass Mocha is like the biggest contemporary art museum in the United States. Wow! Like in terms of its sheer size, mm. like you can put big big stuff in there, um, and they had some artists who tried to do things that were too big and then got mad, you know, <laughs> withdrew and the controversy and all, you know. Uh, but it's interesting. Meryl Streep narrates it. Who? Yeah. Uh, I like it. I also watched a documentary called Monoblock, which again has been sitting on the mount unwatched. It is a documentary about a plastic chair. (laughs) (laughs) It is a documentary about the plastic chair that every single human on earth has known, seen, sat in, and looked at. It's the plastic chair that you can get at any Discount store, Walmart, Dollar General, grocery store, that, uh, if it's a big enough grocery store, for about five bucks or less. <laughs> it's the one that you sit in that feels like it's going to break under your weight no matter how much you weigh. <laughs> it, 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 it wiggles when you sit in it. You don't feel safe or stable <laughs> in it, but it is ubiquitous, and it is the most widely sold chair in the world. It's that white plastic thing with little strips of, plastic backing in the back. Are you looking at it right now? On no, but I know what you're talking about. It's that chair. <laughs> and the filmmakers follow the production, the invention, and the use of that chair all around the world. They also follow the recycling of that chair all around the world, and it's fascinating. Now, they kind of touch on the environmental devastation that plastic has hap- has made happen in the past, you know, uh, hundred years mm-hmm. but they also understand that people are not going to stop making plastic things and we got to do something with what's here and so they do touch on the the recycling efforts of some countries and some uh, communities in developing countries where 
they're like, oh, so we shouldn't have chairs because rich people in the U.S. and Europe don't want them anymore because they're plastic. It's very much a, that kind of thing. Right. And so it refuses to come down on any one side on this issue. And But it's really interesting because I had never given that chair a second thought other than, oh, it'll break if I sit in it. <laughs> I tried once, and I know because I'm a fat man, and it's not meant for me. Uh, if I can break, if I can break a, a, a Costco chair at your sister's house, one that's supposed to be sturdy enough for anybody, and mm-hmm. I just sat in, sit in it and crush it, then, then I'm certainly going to destroy the monoblock if, <laughs> if I put all of my increasingly skinny I was going to say, you are disappearing before uh, my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's worth checking out. Uh, and then finally, the other art documentary I watched was A Visit to the Louvre mm. from uh, Jean-Marie Strobe and Danielle Huyer. It is streaming on Metrograph at Home. Metrograph Cinema in New York has a streaming service called Metrograph at Home that we have here in our home. And they currently have the entire collection of Strobe Huyet films. Everything from, you know, a little nine-minute uh, France versus the Robots, which was Jean-Marie Strobe's final film before his death, to their very first uh, film that they made together called Machoka Muff, which was uh, another short. They, they, they were the type of filmmakers who made films of all lengths because they had no interest in uh, commercial cinema adhering to commercial form and they did exactly as they pleased for the entirety of their careers and lives um and largely what they would do is base their work on stripped down extremely uh, subjectively adapted versions of literary works so as a team they were both really into the artist uh Cezanne and they made a documentary called Cezanne which I have not yet watched but it's on Metrograph at home Mm -hmm. this is their sort of companion film to that documentary uh it is largely still photographs uh, not entirely but but the bulk of the movie it's about an hour long uh still photographs of, you know, masterpieces in the Louvre and excerpts from Cezanne's writings about those paintings and how much he hated some of them, which <laughs> makes it a really kind of wicked and, and you know, fascinating, subjective art tour from one legendary artist where he just kind of talks trash about some other <laughs> legendary artworks. Not entirely. Like he's talking, he does, uh, they do have, you know, excerpts where he's praising immensely, you know, certain works. Uh, But wow, what a cool movie. And a great intro, I think, if you don't know these these people, uh, the husband and wife team of Jean-Marie Strobe and Danielle Wiet, who were brilliant geniuses i'm making my way through as many of these metrograph at home films as i can uh and i've already seen a bunch of them in various museum settings because that's kind of where you would see their films uh but get if you are into this sort of thing and you know 
serious work by serious filmmakers, you cannot go wrong with Metrograph and Home. This is not an advertisement. This is just a, an enthusiastic super fan endorsement. All right, go. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, next up, Ferrari, the uh, the Michael Mann film about the automaker, starring uh, Adam Driver. I was not particularly looking forward to this a because I'm not a Michael Mann fan in general, and b because I did not want to see Adam Driver play another real life Italian this soon after a House of Gucci. But uh, to my surprise, I really liked it. Um, rather than trying to be about his whole life, it pretty much focuses on 1957, which is a big year for the company. Ferrari's trying to find outside funding. Uh, they enter into a grueling race called the Mila Milia, which did not go well for them or anybody else that year. And um, it's about his relationship with his wife, played by Penelope Cruz, uh, and his uh, mistress, uh, played by Shailene Woodley. Uh, he and the mistress have a son. He had a son with Penelope Cruz, who had died. And so it, you know, there's a lot of family tension there. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's well done. It's well put together. And Penelope Cruz is, um, gives a really great performance. Keep going, because I've used up all my titles. Okay, I'm going to just do a quick lightning round. Run wonderful, it down. Wonderful World of yeah. Henry Sugar. New Wes Anderson movie. It's about 37 minutes long. An adaptation of a Roald Dahl story. Really charming. It is as Wes Anderson as it gets. So if that's a good thing for you, great. And if it's not, skip it. But it's coming to Netflix real soon. Um Poor Things won the Golden Lion and was also my favorite film of this festival. It is the new Yorgos Lantimos movie um, with uh, Emma Stone. It is written by the guy who wrote The Favorite and also created The Great. And Yorgos Lantimos and Nia Vardalos, both part of the Greek weird wave. Of, I, for of, sure, of yes. <laughs> Greek cinema <laughs> in the art house. Everyone's putting those two together all the time. In my head, they are... <laughs> Listen, they're, they're countrymen. They're comrades. They are. That's what I think. Anyway, Poor Things is great. I don't want to get into it much now because you and I are going to go into it at length, I'm sure, later. But yes. probably, arguably, maybe my favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Agro Drift is the new Harmony Korean, and I despised it. But I'm sure <laughs> Dave White will see it and be like, oh, what is brilliant. <laughs> the whole movie... <laughs> Say, can you say it again just like that? It's brilliant. <laughs> the whole movie is shot in what I call Lisa Frank night vision. That sounds great to it's, me. Uh, it, it is, it, I think that sounds wonderful. awful. I've never seen so many walkouts at a, at a, at a Venice press screening. That means it's perfect. I'm probably. sure it does. Yeah. And uh, also a very lusty round of booze at the end, partially from me. Um <laughs> Maestro, <laughs> also coming to Netflix, the uh, the the uh, Leonard Bernstein biopic from uh, Bradley Cooper is pretty good. Um, Bradley Cooper and uh, uh, why does her name always fly out of my head when I have to say it? Um, it's not Emily Mortimer. It's uh, uh, Mulligan. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Thank you, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Um, when they care, they're playing Bernstein and his wife, and when they're young, they're just a little too, like, like Leonard Bernstein as a he is played by 
Bradley Cooper as a young man as like a game show host. He okay. has so much razzmatazz. It's like, oh, ee. And, and Carrie Mulligan is doing this crazy mid-Atlantic accent that was like really off-putting. Bring that but, back. Bring back the mid-Atlantic accent in all films. As I am so fed up with these whispery, <laughs> mumbly, I need the captions acting people. As the characters get older yeah. and, and racked with, you know, regret and rage, their voices get deeper right. and they're mellower and I'm right. more, way more into all it. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's worth seeing. There's a lot that's really good in it. Some, I think Bradley Cooper is growing as a director in a really interesting way. Uh, but, you know, most people love it more than I do, so we'll see. Uh, I saw William Friedkin's final film, McCain Mutiny Court Martial, which he made for Showtime, and it's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. And I am sad to say it's kind of a letdown. Um, some of my favorite Friedkin movies are his theatrical adaptations, you know, Boys in the Band, Bug, Killer Joe. This one um, is just kind of people in a room talking. So it, it was, uh, I, I, I had hoped for more from this. Um, but, you know, like uh, Captain Quig is played by um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. He's fine, but like the character sort of has short guy syndrome. It's even in the dialogue, and he doesn't quite physically they, pull that they off. They say that in 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 some they of the say ver- he's short, and that's why he's mean. Yeah, like, <laughs> really. It, it, like in the Altman version, yes, they cast Brad Davis, wow. and he's perfect. Anyway, Monica Raymond, who plays well, I think Guillermo that's Diaz, mean is, just, just short people. It's that's beautiful. They're not short saying people. hashtag not all short people. <laughs> Monica Raymond, who played uh, Guillermo Diaz's wife in Bros, is the prosecuting attorney in this, and she's the MVP as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, the Killer is the new David Fincher movie based on a graphic novel. Um, Michael Fassbender plays a hired killer. And the movie doesn't really have much interest in his character, but it's very interested in the minutia of what he does and how he does it. Okay. And that's kind of interesting, you know. So it's a, it's a guy who's like... You know, this globetrotting murderer who, like, you know, checks things on Google and orders things on Amazon. and Well, so you got to get your... You, listen, even contract killers need to do regular, everyday things. Exactly. Who's going to... Where do they get their lunch? Well, now you know. What happens when they run out of Q-tips? He goes to McDonald's. They got to um, get that stuff somehow. And it, 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 this is funny because his aliases are all TV characters from 70s and 80s sitcoms. Oh, all right. And several American critics were like, yeah, I went to a screening where, like, I was the only American there, and I was the only person who chuckled. Yeah. It just went over everybody's head. Right. Uh, Pet Shop Days, the directorial debut of Omo Schnabel, who is uh, Julian Schnabel's son, um, you know, visually has a lot of shout outs to like 80s and 90s, you know, New York indie cinema, but the two central characters are insufferable, and I did not <laughs> care what happened to them. Uh, Priscilla from uh, Sofia Coppola about Priscilla Presley, Camilla, Camille. Uh, Spaney won Best Actress, and deservedly so. Um, it is another Sofia Coppola woman ensconced movie, and if yeah. you're down for that, you'll love it, and if you're not, maybe don't see this one. Um, Hitman is the new uh, Richard Linklater, which he co-wrote with Glenn Powell, and it's funny, after seeing The Killer and Agrodrift, both of which are about professional hitmen, yeah. the movie Hitman basically says there is no such thing as Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point is that Glenn Powell plays this character who pretends to be hitmen to right. like to to you know uh, entrap people who are trying to hire them. Right. Um, 
it gets a little tied up in its own based on a true story-ness, mm-hmm. but it's very funny and really charming. And, you know, I, I it's weird to see the, a Linklater movie that's set in New Orleans and not Texas. But, that is strange. But yeah. uh, but but uh, Glenn Powell I mean, is... They're right next to each other. Still, yeah, and I'm sure yeah. Louisiana had better tax breaks. Uh, Glenn Powell is really fun in this, and Adria Arjona as the woman he falls for is really terrific, too. Um, and uh, that's it. That's what I saw. You know, it's not strange at all because he's made movies in Europe. So, <laughs> well, sure, yes, but like, but he's so close. It's true. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then on the plane, <laughs> yes, I had a I had an eleven hour flight back from uh, connecting in Paris. Yeah. Uh, I saw the Starling Girl, uh-huh. which is quite good. It premiered at Sundance this year. Uh, it stars Eliza Scanlon. Uh, as a young woman who is uh, being raised in a very evangelical community, mm-hmm. and what happens when she falls for a an older married man within the community who is also into her? Yeah. Um, while her father is having a bit of a, a meltdown. Okay. Uh, I recommend it. You should see it, Dave White. Okay. Uh, I saw Mafia Mama. Oh yeah. Wow, is it terrible. Um, yeah, Tony Collette plays a sort of dithering mom who discovers that she is in she is the sole heir of a of an Italian crime family. Mm-hmm. Catherine Hardwick directed this thing. It wants to be like a goofy comedy but also have like really gory like dismemberments and stuff and it, oh. it, it is totally all over the place and the laughs don't land and well I'm going to probably watch it anyway cuz I, I like that Tony Collette. I know Collette. you like well, yeah, well, I, look I felt bad for Tony Collette I felt bad for Monica Bellucci it's a ridiculous movie. Uh, I rewatched but I'm a cheerleader which I had not seen in ages. Still doesn't work for me, but I get why. If you saw it when you were like fourteen, yeah, the kids, <clears throat> yeah, uh, the kids, the kids needed. But I'm a cheerleader when it happened, and exactly, they, and they've needed it since. Uh, I was already grown, yeah, uh, when that film came it wasn't out, for and I me. did not need it, yeah. yeah. And, and I think also if it's, and a, I still don't. And if it's a, if it's the kind of it's the kind of movie where if you see it before you see the many movies that it's borrowing from, yeah. it yeah. seems fresh and exciting. So yeah. you know. Uh, I watched the Disney cartoon Strange World from last year, mm-hmm. uh, which we missed, and it kind of came and went. Yeah. I knew that Disney was burying it when they didn't make any Disney Emoji Blitz characters for it. Right. That was my sign of, oh, studio is not backing this. Yeah. It's quite good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, 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 um, I mean, it is, as I like to say, woke AF. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. The central characters include uh, a mixed-race couple and their gay teenage son. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is a metaphor about fossil about fuel time, usage. Honestly, all <clears throat> yeah, totally. And uh, it's got some lovely things to say about fathers and sons that made me almost cry on the plane a couple times. Okay. So if you skipped it, uh, and you quite likely did, uh, it's on Disney Plus. You should check it out. And uh, yeah, that catches us up. That's where we are. All right. Goodbye. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, if you want to read reviews that I wrote in Venice, you can go to thefilmverdict.com. Uh, you can also listen to me on other podcasts, notably Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. It's a podcast and it's a YouTube show. Uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network and Deck the Hallmark. Um, you can subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review there. We'll read it on the air. You can also leave us positive feedback in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio, CastBox, Podbean, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can follow us at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sorry, not on Twitter anymore. I closed that one down because it has become 
a nightmare. Yeah. So you can follow us at Linoleum Cast on Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky. I'm on Blue Sky now, too. I have started a Blue Sky account for this show. I started so a personal one. It's please follow us It's the same as there. it has ever been on all the other platforms. It's D. Leland White. Yes, and I'm also A. Duraldi over there. Like I, I haven't the posted any words yet. I've just been posting pictures. Maybe when I have something to say, I'll say it. Okay. But lately, I've just been posting dumb pictures that I think are fun. When and you're ready, that's if fine. If you want to follow me on Blue Sky, there I am. I'm yeah. there to be... Uh, Followed. Enjoyed, I guess. Uh, thank you, Blue, for our theme music. See what he's up to at bluebleu.bandcamp.com. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Yes, what? If you care about the new Hillary Swank movie, The Good Mother, if you care about the Netflix uh, YA movie, You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, I saw both of those films as well, and I talk about them on Breakfast All Day That's with right. Christy. I did this during Alonzo's absence as a substitute uh, uh, critic for him. Um, we're not going to talk about them on this show. We talk about them plenty on Breakfast All Day. So if you care about either of those movies, The Good Mother is eh, and You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah is fun and sweet and I need to catch up with pretty that. Pretty good, yeah. I need to catch up with that and the Judy Bloom documentary yeah. for the trifecta with Are You yeah. There, God, It's Sweet Margaret. Um... Oh, and you can drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at yeah. gmail.com. We have not been doing letters in the last couple episodes because we've been trying to cram a lot into a little. We don't care about you anymore. <laughs> Stop it. But we will get caught up with that soon, I promise. Yes, um, we All right. Well, we, oh, uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleumknife. Sure. And we, we have a garbage truck outside, We too. do. Yeah. We In the last week, we just provided you free episodes of all the shows that we do on Patreon. Yes. So, if you don't subscribe to this particular podcast you just go find it somewhere each time you want to listen to it what you can do is go to patreon.com slash linoleum knife and you can listen to every patreon show that we've recorded for free uh, one G- one episode one episode each. yeah that's what i mean one episode each of all the patreon shows that we sent out into the world uh, uh while alonzo was in venice and we weren't recording anything here so you can go listen to those and decide if you like them yeah, maybe yeah. you'll want more. All right, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more. Until then, goodbye.